Welcome to Bible in Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. The Parable of the Bags of Gold. Today I am drinking Still Austin's Straight Bourbon. It is their musician bottle. I got this bottle from a friend of mine who I performed a wedding for in January in Texas, and he wanted to give me a bottle to take home with me. It is a very Texas bourbon. All of their grain is made in Texas, and they source everything from Texas. Now, I wasn't in Austin, Texas. I was in Amarillo for the wedding, and I hope that Amarillo has worse water than Austin because the water quality in Amarillo wasn't anything I necessarily would want in my bourbon. But in general... On the nose, it is quite a nice bourbon. It has a very candied smell to it. And the taste as well has a large hint of candy to it and a very oaky flavor. Now, I'm drinking a glass here with some ice in it, but before the podcast, I always have a sip to try to get some flavors uh, neat. I like the ice just to make sure that it has that sound to it. But when you drink it neat, it is very hot. I think it may be a bourbon that a ice cube or two might help unlock some of those flavors. Our prayer request for the week comes from a woman who has recently moved. She is feeling a bit lonely in her new settings, and I know that she could use her prayers. Now, let's start with a prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for allowing us to learn from your word today. Allow us to have our souls absorb your very essence, and let this parable that we will discuss work its way into our hearts, and manifest itself in physical ways in our actions. We pray this in your Son's holy and great name. Amen. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, The master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. 
Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then, you should have put your money on deposit with the banker, so when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. For those of you who've read the book I published on the parables, you know a bit of my feelings about this parable and how I interpret it. However, when many people see this parable, I think the first thing that catches their eye is the obsession that the master has with money. Because this parable is about bags of gold. And as a modern reader, I think we often might be off-put by the idea of a bag of gold. No one walks around with bags of gold today. Even the wealthiest billionaires in the world don't walk on the street carrying even a single bag of gold, much less five or ten. Often, you will see this translated not as a bag of gold, but instead a talent which makes more sense and align with the original word, but it is much less known in our modern English. Even though talents, like someone having a skill or a talent, is derived from this original word. But originally, a talent was a system of measurement. In the time of Christ, it had a meaning of roughly 129 pounds. It was very heavy and it particularly referred to a unit of coinage. It was the largest measurement one could have for coinage, because it wasn't a single coin, but instead a collection of coins or precious metal that equaled that weight, 129 pounds, which was roughly 6,000 denarii, which was quite a lot, which is why it is often translated as bag of gold, because sometimes it truly was just a bag of gold. Other times it might be a bar or some other form of precious metal, but in reality it was just a large sum of something of value, gold or silver. As a modern reader, we are probably not familiar with the conversion rate of denarii to talon, so just saying a bag of gold is a good way for you to understand it. But if we were to bring this into our modern context, it's probably better for us to think of it as a large investment, Uh, maybe a 401k or a mutual fund. It is money, but it is not necessarily inactive money. When you think about gold today, you think about gold sitting on a shelf in some vault somewhere. 
Uh, Gold is seen as a stable investment, one that does not necessarily rise or fall with the markets, even though gold occasionally does. People who buy gold buy it because they see it as stable, something that won't necessarily give you a return on your investment in the same way that a 401k would in the stock market, but something that won't lose its value if the markets decline. But this was not the case in the time of Jesus. There were no stock markets that someone could invest in. People used gold or currency like this to convert their wealth into a liquid asset so it could be used for something else. If you had a piece of property, you might sell it and get those talons for it and then use those coins to buy more property or more equipment or maybe even just to get favor with a local dignitary, giving you a position of authority. Gold and coinage was not seen as a stable investment, but instead something that you could turn into something else. It was purely transactional. You wouldn't have people who would store large amounts of their wealth in gold or coinage. They wouldn't just have it sitting around their house. For the same reason, you probably shouldn't have gold sitting around your home today. It could easily be stolen and then your wealth is gone. People would transform their wealth into coinage so that they could move it into a different investment. And that is the exact thing that happens with the first two workers. The first one who was given five bags of gold gained five more by putting it to work. That means he used that five bags of gold to create some sort of enterprise. He could have purchased land that produced five more bags of gold or financed some trading operation. It's not really specific because it doesn't matter. But whatever he did, he put those five bags of gold to work, investing in something that created five more. And the second worker did the same thing with the two bags of gold that he invested and gained two more. It is only the third who went out and dug a hole in the ground and put his master's money in it and left it alone. This third worker did not use the gold to create anything. It was not an investment for him. It was instead simply a store of value. It was untouched and it remained the same but it didn't add anything. The first two workers used the gift that their master had given them and allowed that gift to grow into something greater. The third hid his gift, allowing it to not be seen. So yes, the first two did risk something by sharing their gift, but by using their gift, they were able to gain more, while the one who buried it risked nothing, but by risking nothing, he got nothing in return. And this is what happens in our lives too. We all have gifts that are given to us by Christ. Some of us might have the gift of song, and it can be nerve-wracking to share that gift. To sing in front of people for the first time can be a risk, but if you keep your voice to yourself, uh, singing only in the shower, well, you're not gaining anything either. 
If you have the gift of financial knowledge, the ability to understand finances better than the average person, and you only use that for your own personal finances, and you don't help out by volunteering at your church or a nonprofit to help them manage their own books, then you're keeping your gift to yourself. You are not spreading it, allowing that gift to grow into something greater. This parable isn't about how you should invest your wealth and how your wealth should grow. It's not about talons or bags of gold. It's about the gifts that Christ gives us and how we have responsibility to use those gifts to grow his kingdom. Both of the men who used their bags of gold to grow into something greater used their gifts to give something back to the master, to spread his gifts out throughout the world. And in return, they were given a share of their master's prosperity. But honestly, we don't have much detail about these two men. We don't know what they invested in or what their share of the master's prosperity was. But we do know what happened to the man who hid his money. In fact, we know what he did with it. It doesn't say that he just hid it, but that he dug a hole in the ground. And then afterwards, we know what his reward was as well. His reward for an impractical investment and for hoarding his gift was to be thrown out into the darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, often when we think of hell or Hades, we picture a fiery inferno and with the devil poking and prodding his victims. But the descriptions of hell in the Bible don't necessarily uh, fit that mold. It's often described as a fire that consumes everything that is thrown into it, a fire in a place of complete darkness, void of light. And not necessarily the light from the sun or a light from a light bulb, but void of the light of God. A place where these people are thrown in and the bodies are incinerated and consumed and all that is left is teeth gnashing together permanently. Because teeth are not consumed by fire. But this description may not be literal, but but maybe just a way for us to understand something beyond our comprehension, because we cannot imagine darkness in the sense of being without God, because everything is from God and nothing can exist without God. But yet, nothing is what this man was thrown into for not taking the risk, for not sharing his gift with others, he was thrown into the nothingness that is outside of God, the darkness of infinity. Even if one of the other two men had lost their money, if they had tried to invest it but it didn't work out for them, I have to imagine that their master would have seen them in the same light. Even if they came to him with no bags of gold, the fact that they tried to get something in return would be enough. Uh, They risk something in the hopes that they would have a gain. The biggest risk of all was not trying by digging a hole and keeping your gift to yourself. And that's the same risk that we can take. I don't know what your gift is. I don't know what it is that you are particularly good at doing. 
But there is some gift in your life that you need to share, something that you can do to not just benefit yourself, but to benefit God's community. So as we read this parable, let us think about our gifts and what we can do to let our gifts multiply into something far greater. As always, I'd like to thank you for joining me with me today. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. And while it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.